to see everybody. Let's, let's get into the word. Um, Isaiah 55, six, through, 6 and 7, it says this. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, and call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I really want to focus on verse 56, 55, verse 6, if you can go back to that. I want to, the, the title of tonight's message is Seek the Lord. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for all your blessings. We pray for your fresh anointing and your fresh touch. God, you are the Alpha. You are the Omega. You know all things. We thank you, God, and we just praise you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, we ask you that you, we plead your blood over our minds and our hearts and our lives. God, and we just thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you tonight. Last week we talked about in, in Matthew 7 and Luke 11 about ask and you shall receive, seek and you'll find. And we talked about how that ask really means to ask, but to continue to ask. Don't just ask one time. And have an expectation that the Father hears you and he wants to answer. Well, I want to focus now on the seek part. And right here he comes to his people. Like I feel like he's coming to us and he says, seek the Lord while he may be found. There is a time that there will be, you'll not be able to seek the Lord anymore. You'll either be in heaven or you'll be the other place. And you'll be in hell and there's no real middle ground there. And all the believers will be there. But there, this is the time to seek God. And, and I want you to, growing up in church, a lot of us, especially in the South, we've heard that phrase, seek the Lord, seek his face. And it's kind of used very flippantly. And if we're not careful, we'll really miss what he's saying. When Jesus said, hey, ask, and you shall receive, seek, and you'll find. Well, what are you really, who are you finding? And that's what we need to, to really realize. I was reading, and I didn't give him this, but in Psalm 63, he says, your face, you said, I will seek you early, O Lord. Psalm 63, 1, he says, I'll seek you early. And I, I thought, how many of us start our day with seeking God in the morning? How, you know, I, I was listening to some of the greatest Christian leaders, in my opinion, in America, and I noticed something. I told Bethany, they were all on a panel, and they were getting interviewed at separate times, so they didn't hear each other's answer. And they all had one thing in common that made them great men and women of God. Before that, they would say, before I connect, and they held their phones up, I connect. Every morning, they had a time where they were seeking God. You know, David prayed, show me your ways that I can walk with you. And I see in the church, and I don't mean seven mile, but I see in the church, and God's been coming to me, every believer has to have a part of their heart where we're actively seeking God Every day. It's a continual process. You're never going to get to the end of the road and say, okay, this is God. This is the one who has no beginning and has no end. This is the one that was never created, but always was. He has no, there is no way that we could ever reach the apex of God. But sometimes as believers, we're back, we're going to continue to talk about that ladder that Red put up. Listen, seeking God's face, if you just want to see it in your mind as an image, it's the ladder. And it's a ladder that goes forever. It's a ladder that every time you want more of God, I said it last week, God spoke to me and said, you can have as much of me as you desire. 
It's up to you. Because he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. A lot of people think that what needs to happen is we come into service and we don't really do anything and we act flippantly and God just overshadows us. Does that happen? Yes, it does. Why? Because he's good and he's merciful. But there's a place with God. How would a relationship be if the husband or the wife never was interested in knowing the other one? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like what a lot of Amer marriages look like in America right now. They're too busy with everything. But to focus, if it, why do you think God kept coming to the people over and over in the Old Testament and says, my bride has played the whore on me. My bride was not interested in me. They were interested in the things of this world. Why do you think he said that? Because we're in that intimate relationship, and a lot of us are stuck on the rung of the ladder, and we're comfortable there. You know, me being on the big side of life, I kind of like that first rung, and I'm pretty happy there in real life. Let's not talk about the spiritual. I sure am not very happy at the top. And let me tell you something. There's some real significance in there. There's a lot of Christians that are spiritually, they kind of look like me, like they've been at the buffet a little too long. They haven't done anything in the church. They haven't grown. What, when do they get fed? They get fed a bottle by Pastor Red one time, and they don't do any reading for themselves. They don't go help people. They don't move, so they're just sitting there. And yeah, everything for them is uncomfortable. Sometimes when you start reading your word and seeking God, it's going to get uncomfortable to your flesh. You need to understand that. Because it's gonna, you're going to read things when you seek God, and he's going to say, I want to put my nature in you. I want you to be like me on this earth. And he's going to say, my nature is, is when they revile and they talk about you, you actually sit silent. My nature is, is when they hit you on this cheek, that you're so filled with love, you don't have to just resist the anger, that you willingly turn this cheek. That's the love that I have for you if you continually climb the ladder. That's the things I have for you. Oh, it's uncomfortable as you climb sometimes. Yes, your flesh doesn't like it, but man, it's the only way that we have fruit and our fruit remain. I was reading John 15. Jesus made it mandatory for every believer that we must have fruit. That the Father's going to come and say, you have no fruit. He's going to take him and throw him in the fire. You can read what you want to read out of that, but it's as clear to me as anything. That you cannot just say, I got saved at a sacred race. I gave my heart to Jesus on a Saturday in the middle of the woods. And now I don't do anything for him. And I never talk to him. And I'm never with him. But man, me and him are great. That doesn't even make sense to the natural mind. Well, I got married. I don't hardly go home. I never talk to her. We never go to dinner. But you know, I, got to, I knew Jesus at that sacred race. I said yes to him. There's nothing in the Bible that teaches a one-time confession. It always says those that continue to the end, those that endure, those that proceed, those that continue to climb. Why would he warn them two different times? I'm reading through the epistles, and I, thought, I found it so entertaining, or just so really challenging to me, that Paul would say, in the last days, perilous times will come, and they will depart from the faith. Wait a minute. If they were in the faith, how do they depart from it if they weren't already in it? We have to read this stuff and realize God is expecting us, because he loves us, to keep climbing. 
He's expecting us to keep adding to our lives and keep seeking Him, to keep knowing more about Him. Listen, and the other thing is, there's a lot of Christians I talk to, I feel sorry for, they have been taught by denominationalism and different denominations that God does not meet with His people personally. That you, you read your Bible because it's discipline. You pray out of discipline. Listen, those are all great things. You better read your Bible out of discipline. You better pray out of discipline. You better. Because there's going to be times you don't feel like reading your Bible. Just like there's going to be times where I don't feel like talking to Bethany. I just want to sit and sit alone. But you know what? I still talk to her. There's a discipline part of it. But the problem with that is they don't believe that the living God who watched his son brutally murdered wants to come down and talk. They don't believe that he wants to have a personal encounter. Listen, you want to talk about becoming dry and dead? Stop having encounters with God. Start having personal encounters with God. Only have encounters with God when we're corporately. I'll tell you, you'll get dry really quick then. I'm not telling you I don't love corporate worship. I love corporate worship. I love the, God made emotions. I know some people that are like, it shouldn't be emotional in church. That's garbage. God made us in the, his image. God has emotions. We have emotions. I love when his presence comes in here. I love seeing my brothers and sisters worshiping. But let me tell you, I love way more when I'm alone with him and his glory comes in the room. I love way more when he gives me a revelation. I don't have my Bible, I'm using my phone. When I open the pages of that word and it jumps off, it's called rhema. It's an inspired word for now. It comes off the page into my life. It speaks to me. I'm like, I don't know as a husband, Lord, where to lead my family. And I've been thinking about it. I haven't been telling anybody, but I open my Bible up and God says, why have you been worried about it? Look, the answer's right here. That your God shall supply all your needs according to His riches, not yours, in glory. So you've been worried, but now all of a sudden that scripture that you knew jumps in out of your heart and you have an encounter, it brings fire back in your life and you're no longer dead. Amen? That's why sometimes in the middle of worship, I just want to come up here and tap and say, time out, Stop. Everybody is staring forward. I don't know what's going on up here, but he's in here. He needs to be celebrated. He needs to be. But see, if you don't know him out there, you aren't going to celebrate him in here. Yeah, we lift up holy hands. That's the New Testament. Without fear and doubt, we clap our hands. This is part of worship. If the President of the United States walks in, why do you clap to give honor to the office? Well, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes in the house. He demands our clap. He demands our praise. That's why the Bible says, shout to the Lord with triumph. Sometimes in worship, we got to get a little loud because we gotta, it's got to happen at home, though. It's got to happen when we would rather encounter Him outside the church. And when we come in here, it's an overflow. Amen? I'm not scolding us. I'm just telling us what it looks like. It's so funny to me how bashful people can be that don't worship, but they have no problem screaming at a television with a football game on it. It's amazing how many introverts become extroverts over what they want. The football anointing comes on them. Something they're passionate about. I wonder sometimes when we come in here, does God look down and wonder, hey, yeah, they're not shouting or lifting their hands or worshiping because their heart 
is not passionate about me. Listen, I've been doing this a long time. I can even tell sometimes when stuff that I say you don't like, that's okay, just keep chewing on it. I know I said some stuff earlier that some of you don't like. I can see it on you. I don't care. I'll back it up with every scripture I need to. Don't get tripped up on something you don't agree with me on. Don't even let me get started on traditions of men that people have been taught. You need to go look, and this is a side note. Everybody in here, you need to go read the epistles and see how many times it uses the word doctrine. You must know your doctrine. It does not say doctrines with an S because doctrines with an S means of men or of devils. Doctrine means there's only one correct answer. That means that either the Baptists or the Methodists or the Pentecostals or the Independents, somebody's wrong out of all of them and one per, one's right, or it might be a Mod Podge, but they can't all be right because it's the doctrine of Christ. Some people act like it doesn't matter. Well, I just know Jesus. No, you need to know. I, I'm, I'm just going to start highlighting it. How many times it says, take heed of your doctrine. Look at the last days. What's going to happen? Seducing spirits are going to wax worse and worse, and they're going to seduce people away. Why are they seducing them away? They have no doctrine. They don't know what they believe. I was amazed in Sunday school, after Sunday school, probably two or three months ago, Brother Dan and me were talking, and he began to just throw out scriptures. I mean, I'm talking about, we were just talking, and he was just spitting them out. He knows what he believes. He's got a solid foundation. He wasn't having to go Google it. He didn't get that overnight. It's, repetition is the mother of all learning. You got to keep reading and you got to keep reading and you got to keep praying it. Right? I was talking to Brother Dan. I told Bethany when I got home, I was like, that man knows his Bible. I was like, there ain't no doubt about that. He was giving, I can tell you about where it is, but he was like, 2 Timothy 2, verse 4. And I was like, I hear you, man. That's good stuff. But I, I want to get back to seek the Lord. I, I want to give you a few scriptures. Psalms 34, and I didn't give him this, but it says, those that seek the Lord shall never be in want. If you have a heart that's always wanting to please God, he'll take care of all your needs. You listen to what I'm telling you. Psalms 34, I think it's eight, but I didn't give him that. But those that seek the Lord shall never be in want. Never. What a promise. What a promise. And, you know, I always like to do this, and people tell me, they kind of laugh at me that I always do this. But anytime I preach something that I felt like God's given me, I always stop and say, okay, he knew who was going to hear. He knew who was going to be here. So if he's got us all thinking about seeking, ask yourself, when is the last time you stopped and just told God you want more of him? You want to know him more. You want to experience him more. I am all about emotionalism. Controlled emotionalism. I'm all about it. I mean, our, our, our fa do you think on, in the book of Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell, you don't think as they're falling out of the upper room and people think they're all drunk and having a good time, you don't think there was emotion there? The Bible talks about the joy in the Holy Ghost. There's emotion. You know, I saw this movement happen one time called the laughing movement. And if you know me, I'm critical of everything. I'm just going to tell you. If I see something in church 
It can even be of God, but me and God have a great understanding. I'm going to say it's fake, and he's going to have to convince me it's not. Rather than me just, I see some Christians, they believe everything. You know, angels flutter around and drop pixie dust. And I'm like, if these angels are dropping gold dust in services, somebody needs to be vacuuming that stuff up and collecting it and feeding the homeless with it. Don't believe every wind and doctrine. Okay? I lost where I was on the pixie dust. But, I, but I'll get back to I'll think about what I was going to say. Anyways, I totally lost. I, I, got, I, get so, I heard that this week. People are always just believing just everything that comes into the church as true. Listen, angels don't drop pixie dust. You say, how do you know they don't? Because it's not in the Bible. There's a biblical principle for everything. That angels don't come dropping. I wish it was true. I wish right now some angels would shake it out all over the pews and we could just give every one of y'all a bag as a parting gift. Thanks for coming during COVID. Have a great week. Go buy you something awesome. Just doesn't happen that way. Back to seeking the Lord. I'll get back on point. Um, anyways. Man, I have something to say right there, but I'm not. Look at Psalms 27.8. It says, when you said, this is David talking, when you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. I, I want you to see something. If we don't have a heart that's after God, it's a heart issue. When, when God comes down to David, the man after his heart, I, I don't want us to put David on a pedestal to a place where we don't all believe that we can be men and women after God's own heart. It's available for all of us. Now, is David in the lineage of Christ and he's been honored for his faith? Absolutely. But man, he said John the Baptist is the greatest in the kingdom, but he's going to be the least. We, we can have everything that Bible says. So how do we become people after God's heart? We make sure our heart's right. And when God comes to us and says, hey, I want you to start seeking me more. I just want to go back to the ladder. I don't know how comfortable you are. You could be like me, and you've been in so many Pentecostal services, you've seen everything. You've seen real, you've seen fake. Listen, I've seen people of terminal cancer. We laid hands on them. They had surgery the next day. We laid hands on them at the altar, called on the name of the Lord biblically. They go to have surgery, and the doctor keeps scanning and scanning and scanning and scanning and has to come out and say, look, call in. He has to call experts in and say, this was him last week, and this is him this week. There's nothing there. I believe in the power of God. I believe in healing. I've seen so so many things the temptation is is to let that make you calm and sit on a rung on that ladder and say I'm not climbing more listen there's more to climb for there's more to push for there's more to know about him I, I'll never forget I was in a fast and praying and seeking God one time and he, he revealed something to me people always say God I want to know you more I want to know you more the Lord showed me something the only way you're going to know more about Jesus Christ is that word don't, it's not going to come from some supernatural infusion in the pews. It's going to come from an everyday reading and praying and reading while you pray. Listen, if you just open the Bible, it's not a novel. It's not a book. It's not the Hunger Games. You're not going to finish the Harry Potter series and just flip it and read through it. I don't read it, so everybody chill out. I don't, don't, you don't have to do like, oh, or none of that. I was just saying it's a popular book, but you do have to. 
Pray and ask God to give you insight in the word. They're spiritually discerned. You have to pray. I'm amazed at how many people flippantly open their Bible. It's become their discipline that they read their Bible. But before they read it, they don't ask for inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Who's the author? I don't want to just read it. I want Him to speak to me through it. I want Him to feed me. I'll tell you something. There are times in my life where I read it and I think, man, I didn't get anything from that. But I'll be talking to somebody that day and that scripture that I read will be right there for them. So you keep climbing the ladder, you'll get more about others and less about you. We got to keep seeking. We got to keep seeking. We got to know that if we seek Him, we'll find Him. Jeremiah 29, 11. Everybody in here knows it. I know the plans I think towards you and all that. I don't want verse 11. I want to read the next verse. Then you'll call on me because now you see that I'm good. Now you know I have a plan. Okay, that's not good enough to just know that I have a plan for you. You've got to seek me to get the plan. Oh, you mean I can't just stop with 2911? No, I mean, you can name your church after it. Don't make you get it. You can do a lot of things with 2911. I'm sure the Christian bookstore has ties and toilet paper and all kinds of things that say Jeremiah 2911. You can put it over your household. I, God has plans for me. That's great. But see, you're just now putting everything on God. Well, if he's got a plan, so what I'll do is I'll just kind of sit here. Hey, he's got a plan. I'm having a bad day. I'm just quote that. You got a plan. He's got a plan. That's why people in the world think people that are Christians are nuts. Because they're just yelling at them as they do nothing. He's got a plan. I mean, he delights in me. That's great. I ain't going to help nobody. I ain't going to call nobody. I'm not going to visit the widows or the shut-ins. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to pray. I'm going to come to church when I feel like it. He's got a plan. And people in the world are like, what? No, no, no. Keep reading. Then you got to call to him. And then you got to go pray to him. And then he'll listen to you. Now listen, watch this next verse. And you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all you got. Now you know he's got a plan. Now people, you can say he's got a plan. I know people that are on both sides of that fence. I know some people that talk to God actively every day. And when they tell you he's got a plan, people, oh, we've got to find the will of God. It's floating around out there. No, 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 he's a direct God. He wants personal relationship. You want his will, go ask him for it. You want him to talk to you, go ask him. I can't tell you how many exciting services I've been in where I've had altars full of teenagers and said to them, you will never be an effective Christian until God speaks to you personally and tells you he loves you. If you haven't heard him, you haven't asked him, so start asking him. And you can watch it over that week at camp as they get along with God, begin to say, God, I want you to talk to me. I want you to tell me that you love me. And man, you should see what it does. Nobody has to even tell you, oh, they heard it. It, it ignites the whole service. They set the service on fire. They understand that the God who breathed stars loves them. Not loves us as a combined body, but us, them personally. 
And they think, well, if he loves me, when I pray to him, he'll answer me. When I call on him, he cares when I'm frustrated. He cares when I'm mad. And if I have a problem, I can seek my God and he will show me the answer. Because Psalms 34, 8 says, if I seek him, I will not lack anything. Not some things. I might miss a few things. If I'm seeking God, I will like nothing. There will be nothing in my life. It's even spiritually, that's not complete. He will always perfect me if I'm seeking Him. You know, I always, when God began to deal with me about this, I was like, Lord, I don't want to preach that. You say, why? You don't like the topic? No, because most people in this room and most people online have heard so many sermons about seeking God. It's just another sermon. Oh, yeah, seek God, got it, check. Uh, can you give me something cool? I've been doing this for a long time. I know how it works in the South. Oh, seeking God, yeah, 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 I got that. Seeking God, come on, I need something deep. Give me something deep. Oh, no, there's something deep, all right. Don't, don't quote Jeremiah 29, 11 until you want to go all the way to 13. I used to read that and it almost made me sick because I would say, God, I don't know if I have the ability to search for you with all my heart. And even this week, he showed me, that's unbelief. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Jonathan Lankford could never search for God, but Jonathan Lankford has been crucified with Christ. Every believer in here, you've been crucified with Christ. There, absolutely you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. I think it's so important that we hear things just like the armor of God. Everybody in it, oh yeah, armor, I got it. I can list it, I know what it looks like. Good, check. Yeah, but don't, don't get tripped up over the armor. Get the first part. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. See, your flesh says, oh, I, I don't know if I can seek God with all my heart. No, you can't. That's why you got to die and he lives. He comes through us and seeks him. Listen, seeking God doesn't mean that you go on a 40-day fast and you shut yourself away from people. No, there's times for fasting and shut your way from people. It just simply means that your heart resonates with him first. It just simply means that the cry of your heart. If you don't have that, all you have to do is ask. Sometimes, one of the, I was going to preach on this, earlier and, and, and use it, but I didn't. But the Bible says about one of the kings of Israel, it says he sinned because he prepared not his heart to seek God. Well, how do you prepare your heart to seek God? You begin to let God remove things from it. You begin to let God just take things from you. Hindrances. I, I, I'll, I'll just be simple and practical, and I think that's what the gospel is. The older I get, the less I care about wowing anybody, and the more I want you to live it. So what does it look like for me? Well, I started seeking God before I preached this. The last three weeks, I've been probably closer to God than I've ever been. He just comes in my office at work sometimes. And I just have to lift up my hands because his presence is so real. And I'm not sure what he's doing in my life, but he began to show me, okay, this, what you're feeling is not seeking me. I'm, I'm giving you my presence to get you to seek me. And I begin to ask him, what, what do you want me to start doing? And he, I told y'all last week, Get your social media apps off your phone at night. Nighttime, before you go to bed, I want you to spend some more quality time with me. 
I don't want you to watch TV. I don't want you to do unwind anyway. I want you to start spending some time with me by reading your word. Doesn't sound too spiritual, does it? Man, it's made a huge difference in my life. Are you saying you didn't read? No, I read plenty. You can't preach without reading. That's what people don't understand. When me and Pastor Ed walk up here and preach, you might say, well, how long did you study? Well, we can't tell you because why your mind at lunch is unwinding, our mind at lunch is trying to connect. We're trying to get connected. We're trying to get the mind. We're trying to see what God wants to say. But it's simply seeking Him. It's removing some things from your heart to connect with Him. It, it, it means that you don't post, maybe you don't post as much because you don't have time to post because what you're seeking Him, you want to hear from Him first. Or, or maybe you got a hobby. He's okay. Listen, God made everything for our enjoyment. That's in 2 Timothy. That, that is 100% true. When I was younger, I didn't preach a full gospel. Basically, I tried to preach that if you did anything fun, you were going to hell. I don't know why, but that's just what we thought good preaching was back then. You screamed at everybody. This was 20-something years ago. You told everybody they were going to go to hell, and you told them if they didn't get to the altar now, and you just yelled at them. And if the more you yelled, people would come pat you on the back. So when you're a young preacher, you're like, all right, well, I've learned what to do. Preaching is just screaming at everybody, saying, you dumb idiots, no Jesus. And that's not preaching at all. And sometimes I do get excited. Man, I, I feel like I could be raptured sometimes when I'm preaching. But what I, I've learned about all that hooping and hollering, and man, listen, I think some of us here need to get in a couple more of those services where you kind of jug the pride off of you a little bit where God kind of gets you in the altar and kind of shakes you loose from your pride. I don't know about all that. Yeah, he's got to have that pride. He can't use a prideful person. You can't care what people think about you. But sometimes, so I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying, sometimes we just need to real talk. Sometimes we need to get together and say, hey, we got to seek the Lord as a team. Like, this is our church. We got to seek him. We got to have him. Like, from the minute that we walk in here, we, it, he should be here because he's with us. That we brought him here. We're with him. We're communing with him. We're not coming in here trying to, like, get right and get our life right and try to work something up. We've already been with him. We're expecting him to do great things. How many friends do you have that don't go to church? They need you to seek God. They need to feel God and see God in you. When you start to seek God, your plan unfolds, and he starts to talk to you about things like your friends. Hey, go back to inviting them to church. Hey, invite them for coffee. Get in his plan. He doesn't mind you saying, God, what am I here for? What am I here for? I want you to talk to me. I've had multiple people over the years come to me and say that they're called to preach. Anybody that gets saved and gets excited, I really feel like they probably should think they're called to preach. That means that, that, that there's something to that because they want to do something for God. But I always tell them this. Take the next month and really seek God and ask him to really let you hear. Most of the time, they realize in that period they're not called to preach. They're called to something else. Listen, you don't want to be called to preach. You don't. Just trust me. I'm not going to go into why. You just don't. You, you, James said, be not a man of many masters, for you fall into greater condemnation. You don't really want to preach. Just, just stay in love with him. Seek him 
seek him. Because, see, if I teach one thing that causes a younger person to fall or trip or wrong, I have to stand for that, Christ said. That's, that's higher judgment. I don't, I, so I'm, I'm real cautious. I don't tell anybody, no, you're not called to preach. Who do I know who God calls? I know this, though. Everybody in here is put in the ministry and has the gifts placed in their heart already. And the reason we don't see the gifts is because nobody is seeking God and wanting to be used anymore. I mean, he has nine wonderful gifts that operate in the Spirit. Why? For the unbeliever. Signs are for the unbeliever. See, we've got a whole church generation that thinks if the Holy Ghost manifests in a service, he runs off visitors. Well, the Bible actually says when the Holy Ghost manifests in service the correct way, he draws visitors. Unsaved people are like, whoa. Listen, I've, I've been in services before where the guy praying for people that were sick was flowing in what was called the gift of faith. And people would walk up, and he wouldn't even ask them. You know, now, if you walk up tonight, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to say, hey, what am I praying for? And I'm going to believe whatever you say, and we're going to watch it. Me and, me and Pastor Red prayed for a few people over here a couple Sundays ago, and I've heard great things that God did. It wasn't us. But I had to ask them what they were doing. I've been in services before. You want to talk about faith where they're walked down the aisle and the preacher says, it's your lower back that's bothering you. And the person begins to bawl. Well, their faith is unlocked. How would they know that? And they laid hands on them and it was the easiest healing that's ever been done. Why? Because by your faith make you whole. Their faith was there. If I walk down with a migraine headache and the guy says, you've got a migraine headache in your right eye, I'm really going to believe God at that point. The signs are for unbelievers. The signs are to get our faith up. People watching. Some of you might not believe in people falling out under the power. And if you don't understand that and it confuses you, just throw it away. But I watched a guy one time. I used to tell him, man, there's something to people falling out. Now, there's a lot of people that do what I call courtesy drops. They, you know, they, because, you know, everybody in line drops. They just drop. That's a bunch of garbage. Don't, those are courtesy drops. Don't get mad at those people. They're just following the leader. But, but he used to not believe that God could put people on the ground. And we went to a service in Brownsville, Florida, during a revival. And this lady had her eyes closed and praying and tears running down. And the, she had no idea. The pastor saw her from the stage. He was walking to her. She never saw him. And his hand got about right here. And she hit the ground. And my buddy, who wasn't real sure about all that, looked at me and said, It's real. It's real. It's real. I promise you that's real. God can do things. He's God. So, so when we begin to seek him, I'm not telling you that he's going to start using you. In You're not going to be up, you know, standing up at Walmart on the microphone prophesying over people. I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you that he's got things for you as you seek him. He didn't save you to sit. Period. You know, we always say the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom is only for the church. I've been using the word of wisdom and knowledge way more outside the church, counseling people and talking to people that are broken and hurting than in here. You don't think there's people in this church tonight that have gifts inside of them of prophecy and all kind of other things that they can speak to people and uplift people? What's your gifting in the church? I mean, I'll help right any way I can. That's great. That, yeah, every believer should feel that way. Yeah, okay, but, all right, that's gift of helps. That's one of the greatest gifts in the church. Well, let's keep going. Let's keep climbing the ladder. 
You'd be surprised what he wants to do with your neighbors around you and your coworkers. He's got a plan. Let's seek him. I don't know how long I went, but if everybody will stand. JT, can you put up um, Psalms 119.2 and 3? I want you to see this. It says, blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. Look at verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. And that's, that's the New King James. And I didn't tell him what version. The version that I, that I read, it's almost the same thing. But it says, those that seek him with all their heart shall not fall. You want to stay from falling? You want to stay out of the wrong sides? Keep seeking him. Keep reminding yourself. Seeking him reminds us there's heaven. There's eternity. What we do matters. So tonight, as we dismiss, we're 15 minutes early so everybody can relax. But I, I want you to look inside your heart. Just take a second and look inside your heart and ask, ask yourself, have you been seeking God? Have you really been seeking God? Have you just... Listen, I can look back over 20 years of my life. There were seasons where, man, I was seeking God. And then there were seasons where I was just coasting. We're in the last days. We can't coast now. Well, man, I don't have power to seek Him. I'm so tired. No, 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 no. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He'll give you the strength. When He's been coming in my office the last couple of weeks, I've been telling Him, God, I don't have the strength to serve you like I want to. I need your help to serve you. I need your help to pray more. I need your help to read. I need your help to worship you in spirit and truth that the Father seeks such to worship Him. I need your help. You know, I've been thinking about it as I've been praying. I think I'm going to go through worship and tell why we do stuff. I was raised my whole life in church. Well, when I got when I gave my life back to God from being a heathen, I asked God some questions. I said, I'm not lifting my hands until I understand why I'm doing it. I see everybody lifting their hands. That makes no sense to me. I'm not just going to be like, oh, yeah, we all do it. The beat feels good. That's not me. I'm not that way. If you do it for that reason, great. But you need to know why you lift your hands. The New Testament clearly says we lift up our holy hands without fear and doubt. It's a commandment of the New Testament for believers. There's a reason why we lift our hands to God. There's a reason why we clap. There's a reason why we shout. There's a reason that Jesus said leap for joy. I think what scares me, that's definitely my daughter. I think what scares me the most is that I don't hear a lot of, see a lot of leaping and a lot of joy in the house. Have we just become a place where this is just business? Well, we go to Sunday, then we eat lunch together, and then, you know, that's our nap, nap in the afternoon. No, 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 we got to seek him. There's more than that. Amen? I mean, I love all three of those in that order. But, but when we add seeking him to part of that, amen? God, God's practical, y'all. If, if I could go back and tell the 19-year-old preacher me, I would say stop yelling and start looking at people and showing them how practical Jesus was. This is practical. If you need strength, ask him for it. 
If you know you're not seeking him, tell him, God, I'm not seeking you like I should. Restore me. It's that easy. It's really that easy. And he helps you. And then you give him the glory. And then you testify to your friends, hey, I'll be honest, I was kind of coasting. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. You'd be surprised how many people are dead wood Christians right now. They haven't had an encounter with God in so long. They're dry as a bone, and they're faking it till they make it, which there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you just got to do that. But you start telling them about God restoring you and reviving you. It brings hope, and all of a sudden, listen, you can have encounters with God at Starbucks. I'm telling you, he moves at Starbucks. I don't know what it is. It might be the caffeine plus God, but he'll do it. You start telling people about, I was dead. I was dry. He made me alive. I've started to hear him. I've got a plan. You know how many ministries that Pastor Red lays in bed at night and wishes we had here, but he's like, hey, I can't do it all. I'll drown. I mean, he's got a big job. He's got to shepherd the flock. But then he's got his family, which is his first church. That's why the body is put together. That's why some people are knees and some people are ears. Everybody always wants to be the head. Man, the feet are the most important. We got to know where we're walking. Anyways, I've rambled long enough. I, I just, this is the only time during the whole week I feel really good. You can just feel God's presence here. Just feel that anointing. So let's pray and we'll dismiss. Father, we, we seek you. God, help us to seek you every day. God, I, I pray that you forgive me for coasting. Lord, you're merciful and you're gracious and you're so good. God, I pray that every person here would begin to hear your voice and know your plans. God, make us better husbands and make better wives. Oh, God, for you, lead our feet to the lost, Lord, and the hurting and the broken. Jesus, oh, we love you. I pray that we plead your blood over your people. No plague shall come nigh their dwelling. God, you said that, and we stand on it, and we love you, Jesus. Amen. You may be dismissed. I was kidding.